0: Welcome to the Standing Podcast. This is episode 380. Today is July 19th, 2022. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. What I'm gonna talk about today are a couple very nuanced, very subtle indicators that I've been seeing over the past few weeks, and they don't predict the future. They're not a secret algorithm. They're simply some observations that are out of what the mainstream is talking about. And I think that there are much more reliable indicators that the overall economy is on stable ground compared to all the hand-wringing and panic-driven fears that you hear about hyperinflation or you know a possibility of a recession right around the corner or maybe we're even in a recession. Listen, there's no denying that we're in a slowdown, but a slowdown is not a recession or depression. And even if we were in a recession or headed to a recession, depending upon the severity of it, a lot of that bad news could already be priced into the market, you know, with the S&P pulling back well over, uh, you know, being tw- over 20% down at its lowest point, which was uh, about a month ago. I think it was mid-June, probably June 16th, so far was the low point. And I have no idea if it could go lower. I have no idea if that level would be tested again. But certainly, if we're headed into a mild recession, that pullback of over 20% might be a sufficient correction. And since the market is a forward looking indicator, the lows could perhaps already be priced in. Now, do I know that with absolute assurity? Absolutely not. I mean, you really have to understand that no one can predict the future. So rather than trying to predict the future, let's simply look at the facts. And one of the biggest facts is that corporations are still making profits. Now, yes, the rate of profit growth has declined, as would be expected after we've come through the major excesses of the pandemic. That's why the time that we're in right now is so critical, because it was just last week that second quarter and expectations are becoming announced. Now, primarily the banks announced last week, And the banks are being very conservative, and a lot of people are taking that as negative news. But I continue to believe that bank stocks are seriously undervalued. Yes, the big money-centered banks definitely have exposure to geopolitical risk and currency fluctuation, and they're not going to be doing the deal-making on the equity side that they had over the big run-up during the pandemic. But that doesn't mean that they're unprofitable. It just means that they're not going to make as much. And you have to remember, with the banks, everybody hates them. Everybody gets mad about the too-big-to-fail status that they have. But the fact remains that they are too-big-to-fail. And so, they're going to come out and talk conservatively. They're going to talk about how they're setting aside cash reserves and they're preparing for a rainy day. They're not going to boast about the fact that they're still very profitable. Because if we do head into a bad recession, they're going to want to get bailed out. And you know what? They will get bailed out. But the CEOs of the major banks are not going to pound their chest and talk about how profitable they are because they want to deflect the criticism of both the public and of the Congress. I mean, look at what politicians and especially President Biden has said about profits in the oil companies. The banks don't want to be in that position. They are still very profitable. And if you look at key indicators for the financial sector, like non-performing loans or delinquent payments or mortgages in foreclosure, none of that is an issue right now. Now, the numbers have ticked up off the very, very extremely ultra-low bottoms that they were at coming out of the free money era of the pandemic. But we are at historical lows when it comes to things like credit card delinquencies, and mortgage defaults. So the banks are in extremely good condition, as is most of other corporate America. And we're gonna watch over the next couple weeks as second quarter earnings are announced and what type of forward guidance these CEOs give. Even if corporate profits get cut in half, that still would take them to a profitability of somewhere in the single digits. And that's not five or 6% of earnings profitability, That's five or 6% of earnings profitability growth. So a decline in the rate of earnings doesn't mean that profits are not growing. Unless we hit a severe, severe recession, corporations are set to make more money in 2022 than they made in 2021. Now, again, that may not be double-digit growth. It might be more along the lines of three to 6% growth, but it will be growth And even if it wasn't growth, they would be profitable at levels of 2021, and 2021 was a record all-time historic level for corporate profitability. So we're not in a doomsday economic collapse scenario like so many people would like you to believe. The other thing to consider, and I won't get into it big here because I've talked about it in previous episodes, but watch how markets react around their levels of support and resistance. I'm recording this episode today before the market closes. The S&P is up over 2.7%, the Nasdaq and the Russell 2000 are up over 3%. The important thing is that the S&P 500 is holding at that first major resistance level that I've been talking about. That area from about 3850 to 3950 and significantly, it looks like today, the S&P 500 will close up above its 50-day moving average. If it starts to form a base at this level, that will mean that the lows actually did occur back on June 16th. And if it can get through that 3950 level, it's very likely that it will encounter a significant amount of resistance above 4000. But that 4000 level was so critical Because if you look at the double bottom chart pattern that occurred with the May bottom and then an even deeper June bottom, that W pattern that's formed on the double bottom chart pattern would have a breakout point of right around 41.75-ish. From a probability standpoint, it's highly likely that we could retrace those levels. Again, although there will be resistance around that 4,041.50 level but it is highly probable the S&P 500 would retrace those levels. And if the momentum is there and it gets above that, say, 4175-ish level, that not only puts it above the 100-day moving average, but also above the apex of the W formed in a double bottom pattern. And that is typical for a setup of a major market breakout. Now, I wouldn't bet the farm on that because... That still means that there's a 30% downside, and as I keep stressing, there is a whole lot of resistance, overhead resistance, between where we are now and that 41.50, 41.75-ish level. The reason I'm optimistic that we could get there is because if you look at some very nuanced and very subtle indicators over the past few weeks, even though there's day-to-day volatility and even extreme week-to-week volatility... There's a tell out there that is very encouraging to me, and that's the the end-of-the-week close. So, not necessarily where the market closed for the week, but how it closed on the last day of the week. And if you go back over the past five weeks, on every one of those Fridays, the market closed up. Well, maybe. There's actually one Friday in there, and that would have been July 8th, where technically the market closed down, But the numbers were so minimal that I consider it to be flat. And given the crazy volatility that we've seen in interday trade, I'm going to consider a flat market as an up market. So on July 8th, the S&P 500 was only down by eight basis points. And the Russell 2000 was down by like one basis point. As far as I'm concerned, that's a rounding error. And then in each of the other four of those five weeks, that would be July 15th, July 1st, June 24th, and June 17th. And each of those end-of-week closes on that day, the market was up, and in some cases it was up significantly. And that's important because a lot of times active traders, especially when they're worried about headline news, they close out their positions at the end of the week. They don't want to take that risk of what kind of announcements can be made late on a Friday night or early on a Sunday morning, and because they're so concerned about that headline risk, they'd rather just close their positions out and stay in cash over the weekend. Even more significant than that, over these five weeks that I'm talking about, two of those five weeks were over long holiday weekends. So, the June 17th close that was high occurred over the Juneteenth holiday where the markets were closed on that following Monday. So it was not only a weekend, but it was a long holiday weekend. And then on July 1st, when the market closed up, that was actually a really extended holiday because the market closed early that day. It closed at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and didn't reopen again until the following Tuesday morning. And yet, the market closed up. Again, that's kind of nuanced. It's very subtle. But it does indicate to me, from a technical standpoint that the smart money is not as fearful and not as worried about a full-blown recession like the majority of other people seem to be concerned about. Now that, in and of itself, doesn't mean that we did put in a bottom back on June 16th. It simply illustrates the point that if you ignore the headlines and you dig in and look at the actual data and the actual price volume action, you might see that under the surface, things aren't nearly as bad or nearly as volatile as they appear in the drama that's portrayed by the media. So bottom line on all this is that we're in a very volatile market. You either have to choose to be in or be out. I personally have chosen to be in because I think the market has been way oversold. I think a lot of bad news is already priced in. And I think that overall, the direction of the United States equities over the long run is still very favorable. And so that's why I'm in. I also believe that a lot of the problems that we're seeing are policy-related and they're headline fears. I've been talking about this for many years now. You know, just because the Federal Reserve has everybody convinced that they're going to jack up interest rates to extreme levels to fight inflation, that doesn't mean that's actually going to happen. That's a policy decision. And we've seen time and time again where the Federal Reserve backs off. Likewise, The problems that we're seeing with food inflation and energy inflation are not existential threats driven by the lack of resources. There's plenty of oil in the ground. It's just a matter of policy decisions as to how that oil gets to market. And those decisions can change overnight, just like if you look at the German government, they've been talking for years about how they're going to be carbon neutral by, I don't know, I think the date is like 2035. Well, that all changed overnight with the energy crisis that they're suffering through because of the war in Ukraine. And so right now, the German government is back to burning coal. That was one simple policy decision that was changed overnight. And when you get these decisions that can occur that quickly, then markets can rapidly bounce on the good news. And if you've gotten out of the market, you're likely to miss getting back in and you're not going to want to get back in on a big jump like that because you think it might be a head fake and so you continue to sit and wait for a pullback or wait for an ultimate bottom in the market and the vast majority of the time more than 70 percent of the time from a historical basis you don't get that second opportunity so hey for me and my money i've stayed in this market it's been painful but i remain optimistic how will that play out? I have no idea. I can't predict the future. Come on back for future episodes. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.